a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, the the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that will be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Entering new depths, this is Table Talk Radio. I thought we were taking steps up, you know. No, uh, no. no. Every, no. Every time you listen to Table Talk Radio, it's another step down. A little, a little bit worse than the previous. Step. That's right. A little bit closer to being done. <laughs> you know how every day, Paul says every day we, we are closer now to the second coming than we were uh, yesterday, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, something, that's my paraphrase. Every show we're closer to the last show. That's right. That's right. And maybe maybe today is the last show. You'll never know. Hope and pray. We hope. Yep. All right. Well, uh, today I have a, I'm pretty excited about today's show. I mean, oh, yeah? not, not normally am I excited. I mean, it's kind of like uh, going to the dentist. But today I'm I'm a little excited about today's show because really? we're playing name that church body, a game oh, that yeah? I almost always dominate in. Yeah. And then we're going to be responding to a few clips from the vice presidential debate. Oh yeah. Um, because they actually talk about things we're talking about. Well, a little bit. And <laughs> so, do you want to know what the topic of the uh, vice presidential debate is? Yeah. Both of the vice presidential candidates were saying, um, "The your the your um, running mate is scum, and mine is awesome." That's all. I mean, if you just get that, you've listened to the entire debate. Okay, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> yours is scum, mine is awesome. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then Nuh-uh, yours is scum and mine is awesome. Uh uh. <laughs> that's that's exactly how the debate went. Yeah, yeah. And then we can it. interrupt each other. Why don't we constantly interrupt each other <laughs> to just remind people how to do a vice presidential debate? That's pretty much how what it you, goes. I think it's yeah. <laughs> that's not how it goes. I was trying to fake you out. After that we're gonna be playing um a little law gospel if we have time. We'll have to see. No, that's a um, terrible idea. You like law like. gospel, but I think law gospel is really great. But you probably don't It's kinda like, like it. I mean the lack Why of a Why did you mo- say you hated law gospel three years ago? The lack of a moderator on this show is exactly like the, the presidential debates. You remember remember when I don't know, I mean I didn't do this, but I've got a great memory. Your memory's horrible. <laughs> but some you people... probably remember all sorts of wrong things and you don't even tell us what you remember. When are you gonna disclose your memory? records 
But some people in high school would go to like debate team and they would actually learn like the rules of debate where yeah. you like an argument and then a rebuttal and then like the rules of logic, like uh, what's a, a logical fallacy and things like that. All of that out the window for presidential debates for some reason. It's just like, all right, we're going to throw you in a ring and you two just go at it. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, that's Someone makes the case and the response is, that's dumb. <laughs> and then they make a further case and they say, now it's really dumb. <laughs> Hey, I think there's a I think there's a place for that in public discourse. By the way, that's our that's ridiculous response. Remember that that we yeah. wanted to encourage all church uh, councils and meetings and everything to have a standing rule, so we could say point of order. That's ridiculous, and the conversation would vote to see if the thing is ridiculous or not. I mean, that suggests that a lot of ridiculous things happen at such meetings and gatherings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, enough said. Uh, all right. Well, do you have a theological buzzword, Pastor? Oh, yeah. Do I ever? Uh, my theological buzzword for you is liturgy. Ooh. I've been thinking about the liturgy a little bit because I'm doing a new series on issues, etc., called Liturgical Bootcamp for Evangelicals. Tune in. Oh, really? <laughs> I thought, so when you said that was your cash cow, or what did you say? It's pay dirt. Cash cow. <laughs> pay dirt. Cash cow. The, the cash cow that, that... I'm pretty sure Issues, etc. has never been referred to as a cash cow. <laughs> At least not for its guests. I, you know, I'm always experimenting on the Issues, etc. to see what people are interested in. I don't tell anybody who listens that that's what I'm doing. Uh, because uh, because the danger is this. It's really easy to be reactionary against evangelicals. And everyone's like, yeah, whoa. But we got to move beyond being reactionary theologians and say something positive. So that's what I was trying with the top three verses, you know, say something positive. Yeah, how'd that go? But it's kind of, eh, I mean, it's fine, you know. But now, liturgical boot camp for evangelicals, this is the next experiment. And that is to say that, you know, it's weird when you start going to the liturgy. Uh, what there's all, it's just totally different. And um, and so I want to try to unfold the liturgy for to people who haven't been in it. And so we started to talk about liturgical shock this week, and we'll go on. It seems like it, uh, people have uh, been favorable to the conversation. So now, liturgy, what liturgy means is public service. And I think in the church, we want to um, be a little more specific, that it is the public service of the Lord's word and sacraments. So um, the church gathered around the word and sacraments has, uh, in the history of that practice, has developed... Um, a particular uh, form, which is really quite beautiful, loaded with scripture and comfort. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the liturgy, which is just really, really wonderful. So, liturgy. I think I disagree with you being this anti-reactionary thing. Yeah, you want to be reactionary? Not only, Yeah, not only the irony of it, but um, but I, I remember growing up in the Lutheran church— um, and we learned the catechism. It was an ELCA church, but we, but it was, you know, they were, uh, I mean, conservative. I wouldn't say confessional, but they were conservative. And um, they taught the uh, they taught the catechism. They, they use a CPH catechism. So I learned all that stuff. But it wasn't until I went to college and realized that people believe other things, <laughs> that uh, I saw the value of what I actually learned back there in seventh grade that I didn't realize. And it, it's it's when you contrast a theology to what others believe that it, it really has a defining thing. So if I just say that uh, uh, in the, the bread and wine of communion, we receive the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that's, of course, a great and wonderful thing. But when I realize that there are those who say contrary to that, then I'm realizing the, the great importance of actually holding to these words. You know what I mean? I am anti-reactionary. Anti <laughs> 
So if you're wondering, so about if you that, disagree with me, then you're. I mean, I, I, I'm a, I'm reactionary <laughs> against your being against being reactionary. That's how peaceful I am. I mean, when I have to wake up at at six in the morning to to think up something to talk about on on the radio uh, here in 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 Rogue River, um, it's so much easier to to have a foil. Like I go grab a, a YouTube video of of some political thing going on. In fact, we're going to do that later, later in the program. I mean, yeah. having having a foil to what you're saying uh, helps define what it is you're trying to say. Okay, fine. I'm a, I'm a, now I'm for being reactionary. <laughs> you converted me. I'm just, done, I'm just done arguing with you. That's how anti-reactionary I am. My anti-reactionary position is leading me to being reactionary. So confused now. I am too. All right. I should probably find a buzzword for you. Um, <laughs> you distracted me. What was yours? Liturgy? Liturgy. I'm opposed Sheesh, to that. She doesn't get bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, canon. Um, I'm going to go with canon. And um, the books of the Bible that are recognized by the church as being inspired by God um, are considered um, to be in the canon. Or the canon is kind of this this uh, measurement of a rule that we understand certain books to be inspired. Now, most of the books... Now, first of all, I want to step back and say what we mean by canon. If you talk to a Roman Catholic, they'll give you the impression that uh, you don't have the Bible unless you have the church to tell you what the Bible is. So it's as if the church got together and said, all right, we should probably make a Bible. It might be a bestseller someday. So um, what do you want to put in there? And some guys said, oh, let's take Mark. Let's take Luke. What do you think about this uh, book from Aesop's Fables? And say, oh, Nah, let's not do that. And then all of a sudden we say, aha, the inspired word of God. And if that uh, church had said, oh, let's, let's have that document from that book from the uh, from Aesop's Fables, then that would be then inspired, as if the church's declaration makes the books inspired. Um, that That is a, a very kind of classic Roman Catholic view of the inspiration of Scripture, the canon. Um, but that is not what happened. What happened was all these fake uh, books started creeping up, like you know the Gnostic texts, Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judas, Gospel of Mary, and these kinds of things. And these start being passed around, and Christians are going, "Wait a minute, we never, we never had a Gospel of Thomas before. Where'd this thing come from?" So then they had to kind of uh, distinguish, okay, which books have been authentic that we've been passing around, already accepted as true teaching, and which ones are being passed along to us as fakes all of a sudden. And so the, really the standard was, what which books were Christians already passing around and reading and accepting as true for for years before these fakes crept, uh, crept up? So it wasn't so, some sort of a declaration that determined what is inspired, but a simply a recognition. Now, some of them were accepted immediately. The vast majority of books, uh, we call that the, uh, uh-oh, this is where you do your thing, the, the homo legumina. Um, and then we... <laughs> homo legumina. <laughs> oh, no, I just remembered that you do that. The homo legumina. Um, and then the uh, certain books the were deemed to be anti-legumina, ones anti-legumina. that were not immediately accepted. However, uh, did agree that this was passed around authentic and is true scripture. So, yeah, okay. canon is your buzzword. And we take 15 that is minutes to do the buzzwords? One segment of Cable Talk Radio out of the way so we can get right to it, playing Name That Church Body... Right after this break, you're listening to Table Talk Radio.
busting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Hey, okay, here's a new game. Ready? Ready. This will be awesome. Okay. You say a book of the New Testament, and I'll say Omanagomana or Antinagomana. Okay. This is a fast game. All right. Matthew. Omanagomana. James. Antinagomana. Hebrews. Antinagomana. First Peter. Omanagomana. Uh, <laughs> Second Peter. Antinagomana. <laughs> Revelation. Antinagomana. Mark. Omanagomana. Uh, Romans. Omanagomana. Uh, that's the Corinthians. Best word to say ever. First Corinthians. Second Corinthians. All right, that's a good game. All right, um, <laughs> we that should. Is a good we game. should play that again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> is Second Peter Antiglomena? I think it is, huh? Um, what about uh, Jude? Uh, that's uh, Antiglomena. What about? Uh, I should probably look at the list. What about Micah? <laughs> that's all the prophets are. Antiglomena. <laughs> that's actually an interesting point. You know, I mean, so so never never were the Old Testament books uh, brought into question at that time. I don't really know the whole history, but the Dead Sea Scrolls kind of revealed something interesting to that. So 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 sometimes critics said, "Ah, oh, the Old Testament. You guys don't know if those if that's even um, if we still have what the Old Testament looked like for all these years. We don't even know if that's been preserved." And then they discover the Dead Sea Scrolls and they rolled them out and said, "Boy, this is just like the Old Testament." Yeah, they found that a couple of days ago. We talked about that in the air. They found that uh, old, old scrap of Leviticus. Yeah. And they scanned it like with an ultrasound or whatever so they could read it. And it was 600 years older than the oldest manuscript that we had. And it had like the same, Oof. I mean, the letters were in the same place on the page. It was so the wow. same. It's amazing. That is amazing. All right, so we are going to play the game, Name That Church Body, and I oh, have yeah. one for you. You have one for me? Oh, yeah, do I ever. All right, do you want mine first? Or, or? Yeah, sure. All right. Um, you got a website? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a website. Okay. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the feminine counterpart to God. She oh, is, brother. She is, <laughs> sorry. I was really, like Hillary Clinton campaign I was, website? <laughs> I was trying to keep a straight face. She is not a person... I should have said, hold, so, so read that again, and let me respond with the proper expletive. Please. The Holy Spirit is the feminine counterpart to God. Oh, sister. <laughs> she is not a person, but is a form of energy that is derived from God. What Now, do you like how it says she, which if it's not a person, it should be it. I know. Isn't that kind of interesting? This is grammatically so sexist. <laughs> this is an it that self-identifies why, as why? a she. <laughs> Why do you have a force self-identifying as a person? (laughs) This is already off the rails. What gave it away? (laughs) All right, read that sentence again. I was so (laughs) grammatically flabbergasted. The Holy Spirit is the feminine counterpart to God. She is not a person, but is a form of energy that is derived from God. What the heck? How can you even say the word a counterpart to God? Yeah. Now, that doesn't, that, that, ca- I mean, none of these categories even exist. All of the people listening to us of this church body are offended you're not taking this seriously. <laughs> Sorry. 
Let me put on my big boy hat here. And... <laughs> okay, now more serious. All right. Because uh, I'm sure it's going to get better. Yeah. Before Adam and Eve uh, were married in Eden, Eve had an affair with the archangel Lucifer. This caused the spiritual fall of mankind. She later okay. engaged in a premarital sexual relationship with Adam. This caused the physical fall of mankind. Together, these illicit sexual, uh, I guess it means sexual acts, caused them to form an imperfect family. Their sin led to Satan taking control of the world. I can't believe these people actually think that sex before marriage is a sin. (laughs) That's been the biggest surprise so far. Hey, what's wrong with having an illicit affair with who? Was it Lucifer? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, Or Michael. There's some weird stuff. Yeah, Lucifer. There's some really weird stuff about um, in the kind of the fringes of the charismatic church about sexual encounters with demons. That's some that still floats around. So this is kind of has echoes of that kind of very weird sort of thing. You'll know there's going to be you'll notice something else, though, that any sort of feminist theology is also going to be obsessed with sexuality. It's going to be one of the marks of it. Okay, keep going. Jesus Christ is viewed as a unique human being who was born without original sin. After his crucifixion, he was spiritually resurrected. His body was taken by angels to an unknown location. So, hmm. okay, spiritual resurrection, not a real resurrection. So the angels took Jesus' body like they did with Moses. Remember how they they carried Moses' body off? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know why, if you believe in the incarnation, that you're just not going to believe also in the resurrection. I, mean, I guess because you're a Gnostic, obviously. Um, okay. You got some more? Oh, I got plenty. God's original intent was for Jesus Christ to form a perfect marriage in order to redeem humanity what and heck? undo the harm uh, perpetrated by Adam and Eve. Since yeah. Jesus was executed before accomplishing his mission, it will be up to a third Adam in the present day to form this perfect marriage and complete Jesus's task. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> because you'll notice all the cult leaders also are obsessed with sexuality. They all have a 20 wives and everything on their compounds. It was true of Joseph Smith. It was true of Muhammad. It's true of all the modern cult leaders. There's an ob- obsession with this. So now I got to be the third Adam, and th- so it's going to be convenient that the guy who's teaching this is going to be the that's going to bring about the perfect marriage. I imagine he's got to try out his marriages with a number <laughs> of women. Just going to guess. It's like how this thing's going to. Guys, I got out. a new religion now. In this religion, I have lots of wives. Beyond hey, been there, done that. <laughs> I know. That's how it goes. But yeah, yeah. But look, this is about the perfect marriage that will bring about the renewed Garden of Eden. Uh, so, you know, mm. you're married to your nine-year-old cousin or whatever. It's mm-hmm. just disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, one more. I don't have any idea who this is, by the way. Okay, by his spiritual resurrection, Jesus has made possible spiritual salvation for persons who accept him as Savior and believe in his message. They will, after death, live with Jesus in paradise. However, because Jesus did not complete his original task, Physical salvation is not possible on earth during one's lifetime. Complete salvation, spiritual and physical, awaits the arrival of the third Adam and his subsequent perfect marriage. Wow. Wow. That's why Jesus couldn't be resurrected, because he didn't finish his 
his perfect marriage union thing. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one more, and this is going to be the giveaway, but I'm going to omit the particular words that will completely give it away. Yeah. They believe, or we believe, or whoever, <laughs> that the third Adam was born in Korea between 1917 and 1930. Oh. The third Adam uh, will be recognized as a second coming of Christ, the perfect man. He will marry the perfect woman and will become the true spiritual parents of humankind. And then many members... Uh, anyway, go on. Well, I'll, I'll read that last sentence. Barely. It's almost like you're not on the microphone. This is great radio, by the way. What you know, what you should do is not use that microphone in your office there. I'll just yell. <laughs> hey guys, I'm on speakerphone. Is this what this is about? I got this book here called "A Peace-Loving Global Citizen" hmm. by Reverend Sun Young Moon. Is it the Moonies? Is that who this is? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the Unification Moonies. Church. Oh, my goodness. What an absolute disaster. <laughs> Good heavens. I wonder how many wives this guy has. Have we sorted it out? I'll find out for you. All right. I'll do Lumpy's work. How come, I, how come Lumpy's job description got shifted to me? I don't know. He's smart. <laughs> Lumpy. Uh, how many points? I got to get points for that. Uh, I mean, 200 points. All right. BW, 200 points. I, right, saw I, you were, you. I saw you were giving Table Talk Radio points away to all of our donors to tabletalkradio.org. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Thousands of points. Uh, Reverend Moon had six wives. Yep. Well, he's kind of a, that makes him really, I mean, that's basically like chastity for a cult leader. <laughs> All right, I got uh, I got one for you. Ready? Ready. Or do we need to respond to that nonsense? Um, I mean, if you're making up theology, just well, okay. How, how about we respond to this? Um, the claim so when someone comes along and says, uh, "I have a revelation from God," which is where all of these cults start, right? I mean, Joseph Smith, everyone else saying, "I have I have something from God." Um, how is it that we can know that this? That, that someone, be it the, your neighbor down the street or a cult leader, isn't actually giving us a new new information from God. Well, I think the best thing to do is say, well, hey, that's great because I've got a revelation from God, too. So let's just compare them. And you pull out your Bible. <laughs> and you see. Now, I mean, the idea that someone is going to come along and say they got a revelation, we just know that they're wrong. I mean, Jesus warns us about that kind of foolishness in the scriptures when he talks about the last days. Uh, so, so we know that it's going to happen, but I think the best thing to do is, is simply to compare what the false teachers are saying with the word of God and, uh, and see that they're false. So your revelation from God is different than the revelation that God gave to us in the prophets and apostles, and you therefore are a liar, false prophet. All right. We are going to hear Pastor Wolf Miller's church body when we come back from this break, and I will cash in on the points as well. <laughs> right. There's not a chance. <laughs> we want to hear from you. Toll-free number 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Also get your emails at questions at tabletalkradio.org, questions at tabletalkradio.org.
I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Every time I hear the bump music on Table Talk Radio, I always wonder, why do we do Table Talk Radio? Let's just listen to music for yeah, 48 I minutes. I know. it. <laughs> I think that same thing. Anyway, in any case, we are playing the game, Name That Church Body. And Pastor Wolf, do you have a church body for me? One. All who say that the gospel is invalid without the confirmation of the church err and slander God. Two. Wait, wait, wait. The, I'm going to give you a couple. The gospel oh, is yeah. invalid without the confirmation of the church, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, got it. Sure. Two, the sum and substance of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ, the true Son of God, has made known to us the will of his heavenly Father and has, with his innocence, released us from death and reconciled God. Okay, I want to comment on that. Um, now, maybe at the very first instance we wouldn't take issue with that, but... Notice that, okay, so we would agree that, that when, when Jesus Christ comes, he's making known to us, um, what what it say, like the will of God or the revelation yep. of God? Yep, will um, of God, yep. Yeah, okay. so, so that, that's good. Now the question is, what is the will of God? And it says that uh, through his innocence has released us. Can you read that yep. part again? Yeah, for, oh, uh, and has with his innocence released us from death and reconciled God. Okay, um, that could be good. Um, it just almost doesn't say enough. Uh, in other words, let's say Jesus came and and lived uh, 33 years on earth and lived in moral perfection in every way, obeyed every law, all the laws that we could not. He lived in his innocence the the, the life th- that that we should, that we could not. And then he was assumed up into the heavens. <laughs> we would not yet have salvation because there has not yet been made atonement for our sins. Um, that 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 the reality is is that even though he has done what we could not there we st- are still in our sins and um he can't the, the the perfect life of Christ can't be transferred to us unless the condemnation and wrath that we deserve is transferred to him so what's lacking here is the talk of atonement and crucifixion and sacrifice well let's see if it comes okay uh 3 hence Christ is the only way to salvation for all who were and are and shall be. Four. I agree who, with that, by the way. Yep, yep. Who seeks or point out another door errs. Yes, he is a murderer of souls and a thief. Five. I would agree with that, too. Therefore, all who consider other teachings equal to or higher than the gospel err and do not know what the gospel is. is oh, I know who this is. Okay, I'm going to guess right now. What? This is a pirate. <laughs> although, although, his, although it would be a good pirate name. <laughs> okay, continue. Uh, six. For Jesus, this is interesting. For Jesus Christ is the guide and leader promised by God to all human beings, which promise was fulfilled. Interesting. So Jesus Christ is the guide and leader, promised and fulfilled all things. Is that basically what it's in? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I guess I don't have a problem with that. Uh, it, it's just, 
maybe odd language. So um, Jesus is our shepherd. Uh, that's that's taught in Scripture. Is that what it means by guide and leader? I don't know. And fulfilled all things um, true in the prophecies that were made of Jesus, that he came and did fulfill all things. So I don't know what I think about that one. Seven, he is an eternal salvation and head of all believers who are his body, which is dead and can do nothing without him. Okay, I agree with that. Eight, from this follows first that all who dwell in the head are members and children of God, and that is the church or communion of the saints, the bride of Christ, Ecclesia Catholica. Ah, I like that. Um, So that the uh, church Catholic small c um, is those who are uh, believers in Christ, and insofar as that they are believers in Christ, uh, they are... Uh, I forgot what it said. Um, one with him or something like that. Members of his body. Members of his body, yeah. Yep. So I agree with that too. Furthermore, as the members of the body can do nothing without the control of the head, so no one in the body of Christ can do the least without the head, Christ. Ah, wonderful. I mean, so often we hear people talk about uh, Christianity in a way that um, it's kind of me and Jesus, and it's this like relationship, like you have a... Uh, like you're courting Jesus or something like that. Um, and so you make mistakes, he makes mistakes, although he's perfect, so he doesn't make mistakes. It's really just me. Um, but th- that has as its focus that I am re- uh, doing and acting apart from Jesus trying to perform better for him. This is saying that uh, we can do nothing if disconnected from Jesus. So I like it. Yep. Okay. Uh, sorry, I went down. I got to go back up here. What were we at? At 10? Uh, yeah, 10. As that man is mad whose limbs try to do something without his head, tearing, wounding, injuring himself, thus when the members of Christ undertake something without their head, Christ, they are mad and injure and burden themselves with unwise ordinances. Interesting, but I don't disagree. (laughs) Eleven. Since we see in the clarity... Well, wait, wait, wait. Actually, actually, maybe we would just offer this corrective. I mean, we're in the realm of analogy now, so I guess, you know... But... Uh, I would say that the person without a head is dead. I mean, he's probably not that mad. He's just dead. Yeah. So. Well, I think this is doing something without the head. That means the head is not controlling the body. So like to lose, like have a seizure oh, okay. or something. Okay. Okay. Uh, Eleven. So hence we see in the clerical so-called ordinances concerning their splendor, riches, classes, titles, laws, a cause of all foolishness, for they do not also agree with the head. Uh, was this was this criticizing the clergy? Mm-hmm. Uh, clerical ordinances. Oh, clerical ordinances. Um, so there, um, this is talking about uh, the uh, like man-made laws of like uh, celibacy. So saying that that pastors can't marry this kind of thing. Was was that be right? You mm-hmm. think? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so um, I'll comment on where I'm. Uh, so I've agreed with pretty much everything so far. Can you go back and read number one real quick? Yep. All who say that the gospel is invalid without the confirmation of the church err and slander God. The gospel is invalid without the confirmation of the church. Oh, okay. I, I, so I do agree with that. So, um, so if I come along and say, look, the gospel is not the gospel until um, the church comes along and says it is, that they would be the pirate. Err. Err. Um, so I agree with that. I misunderstood it the first time I heard it. Um, uh, and... And uh, this is kind of like what I was talking about earlier about uh, the canon, right? 
Yep. Um, trying that we need the church to confirm what it is. So interesting. So I I'm honing in. This is, has to be someone in the Reformation era criticizing, uh, criticizing salvation by another way, um, criticizing that the church has some sort of a infallible voice, um, and then now criticizing uh, things like that pastors can't marry. Uh, this has got to be a Reformation, and I'm leaning towards Lutheran, but I'll let you keep going. I'm going to give you one—I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Okay. 18. That Christ, having sacrificed himself once, is to eternity a certain and valid sacrifice for the sins of all faithful, from which it follows that the Mass is not a sacrifice, but is a remembrance of the sacrifice and assurance of the salvation which Christ has given us. Yeah. So um, so the question is, what goes on in a Mass, as it's said here? Um, and in the Roman Catholic perspective, what was going on was the activity of the priests to offer Christ's body and blood, um, now what transformed, they would say, into from bread and wine to body and blood. This is an offering unto God, which is then a... Uh, oh, it, language differs on this, but a re-sacrificing of Christ, though an unbloody sacrifice. And that is an atoning work for the people gathered there. Um, and uh, the Lutheran theologians came along and said, no, 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 no. This is, the, 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 the Lord's Supper is not about what we're doing for God, the, the priest offering unto God, but because Christ is the once-for-all sacrifice, then um, what is going on in the Lord's Supper is that Christ is distributing to us what was won once for all on the cross. So this is from God to us, not us to God. This, I, I got to say, I mean, this this could be another uh, a sect of um, the Reformation, um, like perhaps, uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess it can't be. I'm going to go with Lutheran. I think this is Lutheran. So I'm going to give you a couple of more. Oh, okay. I guess I was wrong. Fifty. God alone remits sins through Jesus Christ, his Son, and alone our Lord. 51. Who assigns this to created being, detracts from the honor of God, and gives it to him who is not God. This is real idolatry. 52. Hence, the confession which is made to the priest or neighbor shall not be declared to be a remittance of sin, but only a seeking for advice. So is this saying that... um that a a priest can't uh, absolve or or announce the forgiveness of sins just but give advice. Did I understand that right? Uh, yes. Huh. Well, maybe this is <laughs> all that cross that idea off the not Lutheran. Okay. I mean, so in the in the Lutheran perspective, we see what Jesus says to the disciples: um, "If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If they are re- if you retain the sins of any, they are retained." And so that is to say that um, it's not that if the pastor has the power or a, uh, or somehow the inherent ability to forgive sins, but he does so as a spokesperson authorized by Jesus to forgive sins in his stead. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with saying a pastor forgives sins because not that he's doing it himself, but he's doing it by the authority of Jesus in his behalf, in this dead and by the command. So I'm going to ponder this and see if I can figure it out. Uh, I'm leaning towards maybe some kind of a Anabaptist perspective. But we'll see if I can figure that out on the break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I know it's
Table Talk Radio, where the theology is solid, but the programming is kind of squishy. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, where we're playing the game Name That Church Body. I got a lot, like 40 different uh, statements of theology from Pastor yeah, Wolfley here. And I got to figure out uh, what church body is he quoting for. Now, I'm, I'm paying. Yeah, it, you do. It sounds old. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it is. It's not like off of the uh, community church website down the road um, because there was more than three things stated there. <laughs> Um, so, and it is, I mean, it's very specific that this is Christian, that Jesus is the only way, uh, to heaven. Now, now I just realized though, there weren't really any statements about the Trinity. I wonder if that'll be coming uh-huh. here. And you seem to have a big uh, reaction well, to that. I, I didn't notice that either. Oh, I don't okay. actually think that matters. But oh, okay. it, that is inter- <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in that. Fact now. Uh, I mean, I don't think the Holy Spirit was brought up even at all in all of that, but maybe, maybe in some of the ones you didn't read. Um, so I, I think I, I agreed with most everything you said until, except for the one that was kind of weird and different. Jesus Christ is the guide and leader. Um, that could be okay. Depends on what they mean. Um, uh, but, the, but the, the, they, they, they reject the idea that you should be placing man-made rules upon the clergy and, uh, they reject, uh, the idea of the mass being this propitiatory uh, sacrifice and uh but then they reject the the authority the office of the keys the authority that Christ gives to uh the church to forgive sins in his stead um and reduces it only to advice lord have mercy um i mean you can imagine uh uh upon this your confession i offer this advice <laughs> Yeah. Stop it. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. Remember that? Knock it off. Stop it. That, that's that old, that sketch from that guy when he was the the counselor, you know? I'm afraid of small spaces. Well, uh... Stop it. <laughs> yep. That's the kind of counselor I am. You want my advice? Stop it. Stop it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm puzzled. I'm going to say, um, so what we didn't hear about in these quotes is uh, anything about baptism. Which would be really revealing because the Anabaptists uh, said that your infant baptism didn't count. You have to go be rebaptized and all that stuff. I'm going to go with um, with the Anabaptists. Eh, well, eh, eh, sort of. Uh, this is this is this is Ulrich Zwingli. Oh, the 67 Articles of Zwingli from what? This is like 1519 or so. Is that when this date is? Now that's early, so this is early Reformation, and it, and Zwingli then is catching up to Luther real quick, and they're on the same track for a little bit. That's why you were getting that sense, you know, the anti, 
uh, pope, anti-mass, anti-clericalism, but they're pretty quickly going to diverge, and you see the, I think, the seeds of that divergence already here in the 67 articles. Now, is it in the 67 that he talks about the Lord's Supper? Not really. No, um, only that thing I said about the mass right, was as much right. as you got in remembrance of the sacrifice. So Interesting. you see his remembrance theology there in seed, but it doesn't grow, I don't think, and, and at least it's not yet fully formed. I want to point this. out that we were playing name that church body, not name that theologian. But This is Zwingliism. <laughs> I wonder if anybody actually claims Zwingli as their spiritual father. My, well, yeah, my question, that. And, and if there is, are these articles part of their profession of faith? Zwingliism, don't worry. We, we uphold un, unequivocally to the <laughs> 67 articles of Zwingli. I'd like to find but, that church. Email us but, in, questions at tabletalkradio.org. I found it already because they apparently wrote the Wikipedia article on Zwingli. It says this, quote, The theology of Jurlwick Zwingli was based on the Bible. <laughs> of course it was. Oh, boy. I like it. All right. You well, let's uh, let's do a little audio. Do you want to respond to some audio? Um, we could do a little Ten Commandments in the vice presidential debate or something like that. Um, so we had the uh, as we record today, we had the vice presidential debate last night. And this is called, by the way, I, I found something more important than that. This is called the Affair of the Sausages. 1522 was the event that sparked the Reformation in Zurich. Is that how to say the name of the town? Jürgen Zwingli, pastor of Grossmünster in Zurich, Switzerland, spearheaded the event by publicly speaking in favor of eating sausage during the Lenten fast. Zwingli defended this action in a sermon called Von Eisken und Freiheit der Speizen. That means regarding the choice of freedom in food, in which he argued from the basis of Martin Luther's doctrine of sola scriptura that, quote, Christians are free to fast or not fast because the Bible does not prohibit eating meat during Lent. The affair of the sausages. Thanks for that. You're welcome. All right, back to the vice presidential debate. Um, <laughs> now, I think one of the, one of the impressions. Add, add perspective here. I know. I mean, that this might be the second affair of the sausages. The vice presidential debate last night. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Uh, anyway. It's important history here. <laughs> um, what was interesting is that a lot of people think, boy, I I would rather have these two guys as the presidential nominees than vice presidential nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case. Um, Tim Kaine talking about whether uh, Hillary Clinton is trustworthy or not. You know, Hil- the Hillary Clinton who... Um, is it kinda... just me or does Kane look like he could be related to the Munsters? I have no idea. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the Hillary Clinton that leaked confidential emails, you know, the Hillary Clinton that kind of dropped the ball on Benghazi, all this stuff. Can we trust that Hillary Clinton? And Tim Kaine says... We trust Hillary Clinton, my wife and I, and we trust her with the most important thing in our life. We have a son deployed overseas in the Marine Corps right now. We trust Hillary Clinton as president and commander-in-chief, but the thought of Donald Trump as commander-in-chief scares us to death. All right. (laughs) Trust not in princesses, they are but mortal, etc., etc. That's a perfect thing for our little bumper sticker that we made for the Table Talk Radio. I know, you need to get the new graphics up there. Uh, what are they supposed to look like? Uh, Take down uh, yeah. the other guys and just put Trump and Hillary on there? Well, Trump and Hillary and then the, the VPs. They're running mates. So you have Bernie Sanders and, and Ted Cruz on there right now. You pointed out to me uh, in the break that this theme of trust was woven through Kane's thing. It, it extended to abortion also. What did, how did that go? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could find the audio. Uh, I mean, we could listen to the whole thing and find it, but... Um, 
but but they're uh, Mike Pence and Tim Kaine are debating about abortion, and um, and Tim Kaine says, well, why don't you trust women to make the right decision? Why, don't you trust women to, to be able to to take care of this themselves? So I mean, it's just fascinating that that here the the, the whole thing is being on the issue of trust, which sounds so virtuous. Like, yes, I want to vote for the guy who talks about trusting me. But it's it's fascinating that the existence of government is there because of we can't trust people. I mean, <laughs> so the Constitution exists because we can't trust the government, and laws exist because we can't trust um, citizens to do the right thing. So that's right. I mean, it'd be like it'd be like saying. Um. Uh, hey, uh, I I don't think that we should have uh, laws to against robbing banks because I I think we should trust people to not rob banks. Right. Well, I don't think that we can trust all people to not rob banks if there's no repercussions when doing so. It's and this abortion thing is really. It's like don't you you got to trust moms to you know commit murder when it's right, not when it's wrong. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I I know. I mean, so uh, Scott Klusendorf of um, what was he from? The he's uh, a Zwinglian, I think. Is he? Oh, probably so. Um, Klusendorf sounds like a name, like Zwingli. <laughs> any case, he's of one of the uh, the life pro life organizations. He always talks about the the uh, thing that's helpful in kind of taking apart these arguments is what he calls trot out the tot. <laughs> and if someone is applying a particular moral rule to the unborn, then we should test it because if life begins at the moment of conception, then that should also apply to the one-year-old. So let's just apply what uh, uh, Tim Kaine says to the one-year-old. Trot out the tot? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Trot out the tot. So let's uh, let's apply that. Uh, So, uh, Tim Kaine, don't you trust that women won't kill their one-year-olds? Why would you need to make a law against killing one-year-olds? Don't you trust them? And and yet we have these atrocious stories of of women leaving their newborn babies in like dumpsters or uh, what was the case like three years ago, three or four years ago of, of a woman like driving her car with the kids off of a off of a cliff or something like that. And yet this is illegal. We have laws that say that is wrong. Why not just trust women to not do those things? Uh, yeah, you make a good point. Well, thank you. I mean, you make a fantastic point that this is not about trust, that this is uh, that uh, the whole structure of our life together is about not trust. That's why we build walls and have locks on our doors and have big, <laughs> huge safes where we put our money in and have the right to bear arms. You know, it's the same. Hey, don't you trust the guy not to shoot you? OK, so uh, I, we don't need the right to bear. arms. We just have like 30 seconds. I want to throw this at you and see what you say in 30 seconds. So the, go, the Bible doesn't tell us to trust other people, only commands us to trust in God. How does that True. work with a husband and a wife? Can a husband and wife operate if one doesn't trust the other? Well, no, but we remember that in the scriptures, well, just in life, that trust is always a result. It's a fruit. Like good works are the fruit of repentance, so you focus on repentance and along come good work. That trust is a fruit of of trustworthiness and of accountability uh, and of checks and balances. So if the husband says, look, the problem is my wife doesn't trust me, and then the wife says, well, the problem is he gets out work at 5 o'clock and doesn't show up at home until 9, the problem is not the trust, it's the activity. So we have to love one another and trust will follow. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the affair of sausages.
Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. (laughs) Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.